this to happen? Can we expect it to happen today? All right, uh, let's go through this for ourselves. James 5, starting in verse 13. Everyone ready? Okay, let's go. James says this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Listen to this. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. Now, I want to be the first just to say that when we read these words from James, it seems to me that the expectation of James is not that we're just going to sit around and, like, analyze his words and and you you want me to, like, parse the Greek. I don't think James has that expectation we're going to analyze. I think James has an expectation we're actually going to apply. I mean, James is writing with an expectation. You're going to do what he's calling you to do. But now I know that some of you are saying so... If I'm sick, you want me to pick up the phone and call the elders of the church and say, come over to my house and anoint me with oil because I want you. How many of you would do that? Some of you, some of you like, I don't even know who the elders are of the church, right? I I think some of you honestly are like, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to do that. So let me just say, I understand that. So today we are making the elders of the church available to you today. So we've asked the elders of the church towards the end of the service to be in the back pews with also our prayer ministers. And there's going to be 12 of us. And we all have oil, okay? And we are ready to, I just, I love this, you know? Because it's like, we're going to honor the word of God by doing literally what James is saying. And, and let's just see what God does. I mean, this is pretty exciting, all right? Let's just see what the God of the universe who can move mountains and who loves us so much will do today. Don't know what you were expecting today, but maybe God will do a miracle. All right, now, um, so today is going to be different. We're not just going to analyze. We're going to apply. We're going to wait on God. We're going to see what the God who can move mountains will do. But... Preacher got to preach. So for the next 30 minutes, I'm still going to preach, all right? Is that, is that cool? Can I get an amen? You did that for me, but I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, I'm still going to preach because these are, these are words that are, are worthy of, of uh, and, and then there's some implications that we need to go through. Verse 13. James says, is anyone among you suffering? Let them pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let them sing praises. Anyone sick? Get the elders to pray for you. Okay, now you take all these situations. The big idea here is that James is saying, no matter what situation you're in, that situation is an invitation to pray. Caitlin, uh, let's say you had a hard day. Who would you want to talk to about that? Right away. Top of your mind. Go. Your sister, your sister's name is, okay, and why would you want to talk to your sister about your bad day? Okay, she's a good listener, she gives good advice, she cares about you, you're close, right? Okay, now isn't it the same movement right here? You, got a, you had a hard day, you're suffering anyway, you know who you should talk to? You should talk to God about it. You know why? He's a great listener, he cares about you, he loves you, you guys are close. Talk to him about it. But then it moves on, right? 
But let's say you had a great day, and you're, you're full of, like, things that you're grateful for. You know who you should talk to about that? You should talk to God about that. I mean, actually, he's the one that gave you that great day. And by actually expressing gratitude to him about that day, it's going to make your gratefulness multiply. It's going to be even more satisfying. Now, let's say you're sick. You know what you should do? Call the elders and get them to pray for you towards God. You see the big idea here. And lastly, it's like he cares about you. And here, he can actually do something about that. So every situation is an invitation to pray. Okay, let's keep on going. James says, are you sick? Call the elders of the church, have them anoint you with oil. By the way, oil here is symbolic, it's not medicinal, it's not like the, the, the oil is some you know, herbal, it, it doesn't have medicinal properties. And that's really not the point, the point is symbolic. Now what does it mean? Well, uh, the anointing is an act of consecration, and the oil, there's some different interpretations. Uh, the one I like best is that oil symbolizes the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we are symbolic creatures. And so oil is very helpful for when you're praying. And here James says, um, James says, uh, get the elders to pray for you, uh, anoint you with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick person. In this context, it means save the sick. It means, I can't help but think that it means that the person will get well. Um, because it is God who is responding to that prayer of faith, and God can do anything. He is good. He is trustworthy. And the scripture says, and God will raise him up. So I, I think inevitably when we give this teaching, we have to ask the question, because when you read James, it almost feels like it's automatic, right? I mean, he, he says, uh, you're sick, Get the elders to pray for you, anoint you with oil, and the prayer of faith will, make, will, will, will save you, make you well, and God will raise you up. It almost seems like it's automatic. You, you do that, and it's just going to happen. So I feel like inevitably you have to ask the question, church, is it always God's will for a person to be instantly healed? Is it always God's will? Because I'm reading James, and it kind of seems like it is. Is it? And plus we have certain teachers who say it is always God's will to heal. I've gone to a conference. That's basically what they said. I was a little confused because I felt like I had faith and I left the conference and I wasn't healed. Now, let me make this clear. When God heals, it is by his sovereign mercy and choice. But it is not always God's will for you to be healed instantaneously. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn with me to 2 Timothy 4.20. We're going to do this pretty quickly. In 2 Timothy 4.20, Paul says that he left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. So Paul, the great apostle Paul, left someone sick. And at the moment of leaving, that person was still sick when he left. 1 Timothy 5. This is Paul saying, hey, Timothy, you should drink a little bit of wine because you have these stomach ailments. You should drink a little bit of wine. It's used in a medicinal context. Now, I just want to point, Paul didn't say, just wait till I get my holy hands over your stomach and your stomach will never have ailments again. That's not what he said. 
How about another one? This is Philippians 2.25. Paul says, I'm sending back to you Epaphroditus. He almost died, but God had mercy to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. This is Philippians 2.25. He didn't say, I'm sending back to you Epaphroditus. He almost died, but you know, I prayed for him. He got healed. Because we always get healed when we pray for people. Didn't say that. He seems to suggest that it was by the mercy of God that he was healed. To spare Paul and his companions sorrow upon sorrow. So I just want to make this clear. James is not saying, because of the whole counsel of Scripture, that it is always God's will for, to heal you. Verse 15 to 16. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Not going to belabor this point, but I just want to point out that James is making a connection between sin that's not confessed and physical sickness. It's not always a connection, but sometimes there is. And, and here James is making that link. So James is, you know, imagine him saying sometimes the reason you're sick is because there's unconfessed sin and God in his mercy is getting your attention through the sickness. All right, let's move on. Okay, now, now we've covered these verses. Now, and I, I've explained a few things that I think need to be explained, like is it, is it always God's will to heal? Is there a connection between sin and sickness? Okay, so, but what I want to do is I want to put the emphasis where James seems to put the emphasis. There are some questions, I answer those, but if you step back and you look at the paragraph, what is James saying? James is saying, you're sick, call the elders of the church, they'll anoint you, and the prayer of faith will make you well. James is saying that God's healing power is here. It's active. And we can, we can benefit much from it. That seems to be what James is saying. So, now this, this is a question that, that just, it just comes up for me. And I, I feel like I got to ask it. Because it, maybe it's it just how my mind works. But I read James 5. And I read what James is saying. And then I'm looking around and I'm saying, guys, shouldn't this be happening like on a regular basis? And then my question is like, well, if it's not happening, why is this not happening in a church on a regular basis? And I think that's a fair question to ask. Why don't we see this happen all the time? If you really believe what James is saying, shouldn't we go to the local hospital and just just, just release our elders on, on everyone in the cancer ward, right? And then hordes of people would just leave the cancer ward, and then it would catch the administration's attention. They're saying, what's happening here? Oh, the Christians have come, and they've released their elders. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you expect something like that? And those are my questions. Why not? Why is this not happening? Okay, I want to give two reasons. Now, I, I think these two reasons are very helpful because on the one hand, if there's something for you Christians to take advantage of, then it's like, let's take advantage of it. But at the same time, I don't want anyone to be disillusioned. I want us to set the right sort of uh, biblical uh, expectations that we should have. So I'm going to give you two reasons why we don't see it like on this level. Okay, here's reason number one. Reason number one why we don't go to the hospital and just empty the cancer ward. Okay. When Jesus Christ would touch and heal people instantaneously, you need to understand. And, and in moments when he 
like there was a crowd there, and every, it seemed like everyone who came up to him was instantly healed. Okay, you need to understand that was a unique ministry and a power that belonged uniquely to Jesus Christ because of the unique time and because Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. So that, that kind of miraculous power was there, and one of its functions was to show that Jesus really was who he was and is. And so, I just want to make that clear. But, but, but then I think a person can very logically say, yeah, 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 but Andrew, from scriptures like 1 Corinthians, it's clear that the church still has that kind of power. Yes, but not with the same intensity that Jesus had. Certainly the intensity of supernatural power, yes, but not to match the level of intensity that Jesus had. And I, I do think that if you look at history, history would prove to, to verify that. But the church still has the power of the Holy Spirit operating supernaturally. So the question is, why don't we see more of that? And that leads me to my second reason why. Here it is. I believe in my heart of hearts that it's simply because we do not ask that's it. I don't know a lot of churches who go through God's word like we're going through, read James 5, and be like, let's just do it. And we are not asking. So is it any surprise that there is no miracle? Because often in scripture it's repeated, ask, 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 have faith. Now, at this point, I just want to point out that for a good number of us, if we're being honest, it's hard for you to ask. Because you can remember a time when you did ask for a miracle, the miracle never came, and so you were bitter, and so you just don't want to pray like that anymore, because honestly... It's hard for you to believe because if you open yourself up to that in faith, you feel like you're opening yourself up to being disappointed all over again. And I just want to say that I get that. I, I was uh, wondering, like, if you have felt that disappointment, what could I possibly say to you that would mean something to your heart? And so I'm choosing my words really carefully here. I want to remind you that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus with sweating drops of blood. And he prayed, Father, if you're willing to remove, if you're willing to remove this cup from me. You remember he prayed that prayer. And he was talking about the cup of God's wrath. And there was conflict inside Jesus because he didn't want to go through with it. But at the same time, he was totally surrendered to the will of God. And when it became clear to Jesus that there was no plan B, Jesus, in love to the Father, surrendered his body to be tortured on a cross. And by doing so, by his act of complete surrender to God's will, God was bringing rescue and restoration to the entire world. Sin would be forgiven. The curse would be broken. Everything sad in this world would come untrue. If, if you have asked God for a miracle before and the miracle never came, I think at this point you, you have a couple options. 
one option is you could never ask for a miracle again. But then you probably won't receive a miracle, probably, if you don't ask. I guess the other option is that you can keep on asking and keep on believing and keep on knowing that even when God says no, there's a purpose, there's a plan bigger than we know, and that we can trust him to do what is ultimately best. Okay, let's keep on going with the scripture. Now in this next part, James, I, wow. James is some, something pretty crazy in this next part. Okay, here it goes. James continues. He says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Okay, now, I don't know what you're thinking when you hear those words, but I, I know what I, I think naturally when I, when I hear that. And I'm, he's talking about the righteousness of Elijah. And I think my first reaction is like, well, that's Elijah, and he's like super righteous, not me. I, I can't relate to that, and th- I think that's a fair argument. But let me just throw something your way. Was Elijah a righteous person? You're like, yes. Do you know, according to the argument of Romans, what you have in Jesus? Okay, there's Elijah, he's righteous, you know, right? According to the argument in Romans, do you know what you have in Christ? You have the righteousness of Jesus. When he died on that cross, all our sin went on to him, all his righteousness came on to us. So I don't know, even know if it compares. But, but this, is, this is a crazy illustration that James is giving. Because you, you're, like, you're like, look at the person that James is using as an example. Now, as far as Christian heroes go in the Old Testament, like superheroes, Elijah is like right at the top. So James, you're using like the one person that we can never measure up to as your illustration of bringing this point home. Elijah called down fire from heaven. It licked up everything. He prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed again, and it flooded. And here's James going, you know, he's a man. He's a human being, just like you. And you imagine James, like, holding up the Bible, saying, you guys, this is not a book about a bunch of great superheroes. It's a book of ordinary people appealing to an extraordinary supernatural God who cares for them. You have access to the same God that Elijah did. Except your righteousness is the righteousness of Jesus, his son. I mean, you you read this and... You're supposed to say from James's argument, as crazy as it sounds, like, Elijah has nothing on me. Right? Isn't that the argument? Elijah has got nothing on me. That's kind of a cool thing to say. I don't know if you ever said that before in your life. Can you turn to someone next to you and say, Elijah has nothing on me? Go ahead. Just, just do it. Just say it. <laughs> Elijah has nothing on me. Elijah, 
Elijah, when he would wear pants, would put in one leg at a time. Actually, I was thinking about this. I don't think Elijah wore pants, but um, Elijah is just like you and I. An ordinary man with a nature like us appealing to an extraordinary supernatural God. Uh, I'd like to close with a story. Um, This one is not on the mission's frontier. Uh, This one is not someone that's not presently in our church, actually. um, He's right over there. He was over there. He's gone now. Where is he? This uh, happened to our former chairman of the board. So there was many years ago, Kevin was working for a company, and he happened to meet a, a, a woman. She was a secretary. And the woman was telling Kevin her story, and uh, Kevin could tell. She just, she just looked miserable. Something was wrong with, with and, and so she shared that she was suffering from some kind of sickness, and she went to go to the doctor, but they, it was undiagnosable. They didn't know what it was. But she, was, she just felt awful, and there was fatigue, and there was headaches, and she couldn't help but share with Kevin just the pain that she was going through, and Kevin was listening to this with a compassionate heart. Now, you know Kevin. You know Kevin. Kevin, like me, theologically, we're conservative. He's no raging charismatic is one of my point is what I'm saying, right? So Kevin's listening to this, and then a thought just kind of just went into his mind, and the thought was, she's going to be healed in 10 days. Now, what he didn't know, like, is that he thought it, but then he was, like, surprised that he actually said it out loud. So he thought it, and then, and then he was like, wow, I just said that. He said, you're going to be healed in 10 days. Now, again, Kevin, not like that. He doesn't say, he's not the kind of guy that says that all the time. I never heard him say that one time, okay? Kevin's, Kevin, not like that, okay? But thought, and he just said it. And then he was like, oh, my gosh, I said it. And he's looking at this woman. Now, according to the way he described the story, at that moment, time just froze. And he's having this conversation with God. Time froze. He's like, God, how is that going to happen? And God says, if you pray for her every day, she'll be healed. Then you need to tell her about me. Okay? And there's a little bit more of a conversation. But then, you know, back, back to life. And, and, then, and then so she's like, yeah, um, yeah. It, it, Ten days, you'll be healed. And um, I, I don't know what he said after that, but, 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 but that was the conversation. And so after that, it was ten days, right? So now I asked Kevin, like, did you, how did you pray? Did, was, it, was it like, did you, did you fast? Was it hours long? He's like... No, God didn't say, like, you know, pray for an hour. He just said pray. And so I was faithful. I prayed. And he did. So it wasn't like just big, long prayers, but he prayed every day. And what he would do from time to time is you would check in because he was kind of expecting maybe a gradual miracle. So in the day number two, he's, like, peeking in. You know, he's kind of looking through the mail room. And she looks miserable, right? Day number five, he's like, I think I actually check in because maybe she looks miserable, but she feels great. So day number five, he checks in, and she's like, oh, I just feel miserable. He's like, okay, he, she feels miserable. This is not going to be a gradual miracle. He keeps on praying. Day number nine, he's looking at her, and she still looks miserable. 
Day number 10 arrives, and he just wants to see what she looks like. But for some reason in the mailroom, she always has her back, you know, turns against him. So he can't really see, and so he's just going to take a risk. So he enters into the mailroom. She turns around that moment, and she looks bright. And she says, Kevin, I feel great. And she goes, I'm healed. And she looks at Kevin, what did you do? And then she goes, did you do some ancient Chinese meditation thing? No, no, for real, for real. Did you do like this Mr. Miyagi from afar? You know, and he's like, no, no, no. And he's remembering what God said. And he said, I'll tell you during lunch. So during lunch, he unpacks the gospel of Jesus Christ and she becomes a Christian. She puts her faith in this God who can move mountains and who died on the cross to forgive her of her sin. Now let me just ask you, that story is more than 10 years old. I I love that story. According to James 5, 13 through 18, isn't that power available to us? Isn't the same God who worked through Elijah the one that's also working through our lives? Kevin is a man just like you and me. Elijah is a man just like you and me. He's an ordinary man appealing to an extraordinary, supernatural God. So, why not expect God to do a miracle? Are you sick today? You don't need to call our elders we already call them for you. The elders and the, prayer and the members of the prayer ministry are going to be in the back, and they would love to pray for you. Do you know anyone that is sick? doesn't have to be you. We can pray with you for them. We can, like, anoint you in that person's place. Let me ask you, is anyone here suffering today? Are you stressed out? Are you anxious? Is there a strained relationship? Is there bitterness in your heart? Is there lack of forgiveness? Is there a mental illness? Maybe it's in your family. If you close your eyes, maybe we can just make a little deal here. If you close your eyes and the Holy Spirit reveals something for you to seek prayer about, then you got to get up, go to the back, and receive prayer. I want to invite you into the back pews to receive prayer. We have 12 people who would love to pray for you. We're going to take the words of James, we're, gonna, we're going to apply them, and we're going to wait upon this God who moves mountains, this God who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, And how will he not, along with him, freely give us all things? And we're just going to wait expectantly for God to do something incredible today. Because our God is incredible. May he wow us. May we marvel at his majesty. We are so grateful to be in the presence of a God who loves us. Who is all-powerful and totally for us. Let's pray. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. And uh, 12 of us are going to be on the back, and we would just love to pray for you. Any prayer request, 
big, small, we'd love to pray for you. Father, I pray for your people. I pray for people who have asked you for a miracle in the past and they're disappointed. I pray that they would trust you again and ask and receive with arms open wide, just trusting you. I pray now, Holy Spirit, that if there's something that you would encourage us to seek prayer for, that it would just come to mind like right now in our spirits. We would know what it is that you're prompting us to seek prayer for. Uh, church, just, just a second, just wait on the Lord. Just wait on the Holy Spirit. He's a speaking God, you know. Lord, if there's something you want us to seek prayer for, just highlight it, just put it in our hearts. Just make it clear.